Welcome to the Employment Hour. The number to get hold of Lior anytime is 416-216-5900 or Lior at employmenthour.com through email. And as we always start the show, which we will, we'll get into uh, a lot of things this hour, but we start with the week that was, right? That's right, Johnny, and uh, welcome to all our listeners. Uh, Always, always a pleasure to be back talking about employment law. I'm glad we're talking about employment law. It's the one thing I actually know something about. Uh, And the Raptors. You're pretty good with the Raptors. We should do a a show about the Raptors. Yes. Let's never do a show about cooking, though. It'll be very quick show. My wife will tell you that. Uh, but let's start with the week that was. I always like to start off by talking about a couple of uh, situations that I saw or I dealt with uh, this week. Uh, this week will be a bit different. Uh, uh, the first thing I'll tell you about, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, I do a, a column every uh, two weeks in the Metro newspaper mm-hmm. about employment law, again, not, not about cooking. And uh, I did a column uh, the week before last, and I got an email from a lady uh, this week. She seemed to be quite upset with me. Uh, in the email, she says, well, Lior, you, you talk about severance and you give the link to your severance calculator, but you don't tell people that severance is only payable if the company has a payroll of more than $2.5 million. So how can you be misleading the public this way? She's yeah. asking me questions about uh, well, how long have you been a lawyer? I mean, you know, not fairly insulting stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, get upset at these things because I understand that there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And I responded to her. And what I told her, of course, is what I'm telling our listeners, I've been telling our listeners for the last two and a half years, is that that's wrong. Severance is payable in every situation, not just when the company has a payroll of more than two and a half million dollars or any other number. If you lost your job, you're owed severance. Mm -hmm. Severance refers to the compensation that you're owed when you lose your job. And it's based on the person's age, position and length of employment. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's always, uh, you know, whenever I, I write columns and I've been doing this radio thing for a while, I think, okay, we've probably conveyed the message. People kind of get it. And I think people do yep. for the most part, but there's still so many you people bet. out there with that misconception that they don't necessarily know. And this person was, uh, was a, an intelligent person. We, uh, we, we, we uh, hammered things out. She responded and, and, and she, she apologized uh, and she understands now. But remember that. Convey the message. Spread the word. Uh, severance is payable if you lose your job. doesn't matter how long you worked. It doesn't matter uh, if the company has a large payroll or a small payroll. So very important. By the way, if you do want to learn more about employment law, check out uh, every, every other Tuesday on, on the Metro Paper, my column there, the uh, Employment Law Corner. Uh, so that's the first matter, John. Well, where did she get that number from? Because I've heard that number before. Very good, because well, that number comes from the Ministry of Labor, our friends at the Ministry of Labor. Now, the, the $2.5 million limitation is only relevant with respect to a person's minimum entitlements. So your minimum severance may be different if your company has a payroll of more than $2.5 million or less. But as I say, that's irrelevant. Your full severance entitlements are going to be completely unaffected mm-hmm. by, the size of the sev- by, by the size of the payroll. In fact, your severance is going to be the same whether you work for a huge company or a small company. So that's where the misconception is. You call the Ministry of Labor, you ask them, do I get severance? They're going to ask you, how much payroll does your company have? Oh, big company, yes, you get severance. Small company, no, you don't. But that's only minimum entitlements. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. So uh, second matter I'll tell you about uh, was actually uh, two court decisions that one of my colleagues, Lumi, uh, uh, got this week. Now, when I say court decisions, I want someone to understand that when it comes to employment law, John, it is extremely rare for matters to actually go to court. 
99% of these cases easily resolve way, way, way before court is, is reached, uh, and usually within a few weeks and even sooner than that. But some cases, 1%, have to make it to court. So these two cases, with two employees, but uh, same employer, made it to court. And, and what was the issue there? Well, these employees, uh, long service employees, both of them, received notice of termination. Uh, and they received three months notice. Uh, so if we're telling you in three months, you no longer have a job. But right before the end of the notice period, the employer says, wait a second, we need you for longer. So we're going to extend it by another three months. Right. And then they do it again. So they did it three to four times where they extended the notice period. So once the fourth extension happened, eventually the employer says, okay, this time it's really it. You're gone tomorrow and so long. Now, as far as that employer was concerned, they said, well, we gave these people, I don't know, 14 months notice uh, over the span of, of that time. So that meets their obligations. Our position was very different. You cannot extend that notice because once you extend it, the employee no longer really believes he or she is going to be terminated. Yeah, they extended it two times, three times, four times. They'll probably extend it again. I probably don't need to be out there rushing, looking for right. work because I'll probably be working for a while longer. So our view was that that notice period, that, that 14 months that the employer gave, does not count. Well, the court agreed. And on uh, this past Friday, uh, the court awarded these two individuals 20 months and 18 months severance. Excellent. Respectively, yeah. Wow. Uh, and on the basis that by extending the notice in the way that uh, the, the employer did, that notice was invalid. So this is a very important uh, decision, and it's a very important lesson to our listeners. If you're working and you receive notice of termination, if that notice gets extended, if now there's an uncertainty as to when your employment is going to end, that notice actually may not count. Uh, and that's important because sometimes an employer can avoid paying severance by giving notice. Mm -hmm. So if that notice does not count, means the employer has to pay severance. Before we take a quick break, and we'll touch on it again before we leave at the end of the hour, severance calculator. That's right, and I alluded to it. Uh, if you want to know how much notice or severance you get, uh, you forget about the $2.5 million thing we talked about before, and you do something very, very simple. You go to severancepaycalculator.com. You input your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and it's going to tell you right there on the screen how many weeks or months severance you're owed. It's a great tool. Mm -hmm. Who here you know, that has a job hasn't wondered, wait a second, something happens. What would I actually get? How much would I be owed? Or I'm going to a meeting tomorrow. I think they're going to let me go. How much am I actually owed? What should they be offering me? Well, now you know. Severancepaycalculator.com, a very easy tool, free, anonymous. Everyone should use it. To get a hold of Lior, 416-216-5900. The email is just as easy, Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll take a short break and get to more of the show here, the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Back with the Employment Hour, 416-216-5900. Very simple and easy number to remember. That's to get a hold of Lior anytime and Lior at employmenthour.com, L-I-O-R at employmenthour.com. Let's talk about this, the worst times for an employer to terminate employees. Do the countdown. We just kind of got into one before the break, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, you know, John, the, the, I mean, an employer generally can terminate employment at any time for any reason. Ultimately, it comes down to severance. So the rule is as long as you've been receiving severance, as long as the employer pays you severance and it's the appropriate amount of severance, the employer can let you go for any reason. But there's, an ex there's exceptions. There are exceptions to this. In some situations... Uh, the termination itself may be illegal, irrespective mm. of the amount of severance. Now, many people think, well, I did nothing wrong and they let me go, therefore it's illegal. That's not 
the case at all. That's not one of the exceptions. An employer can let you go if you did nothing wrong as long as the uh, the, pay, uh, the full severance that you're owed. But let's uh, then, as you've said, John, let's outline some of the situations where it would actually be illegal to let someone go. Uh, the first situation is when an employee asks about a disability leave or comes back from a disability leave. If that's when the employer lets the employee go, there could be a problem. The reason for that, John, is if an employee is let go at that time while on disability leave or coming back from one, uh, it may seem or it may make it look like the termination had a, a connection or it was because of the disability leave. That's illegal. That's a human rights violation. Uh, and irrespective of how much severance the employer would be willing to pay the employee, it doesn't change the fact that it's illegal uh, and an employer cannot and should not do that. Now, obviously, it's not easy necessarily to establish uh, that uh, that's why the employer lets someone go. But if you're the only one that's been let go, if your position is replaced immediately, and the only thing that's really happened recently is the fact that you had a disability leave, well, it really kind of makes it look like that's why you're being let go. And that's something that's illegal, and, and the law deals with that quite harshly uh, for employers. I had a case, by the way, earlier this year where uh, the employee actually wasn't, was seeing a doctor, and they, she right. wasn't sure if there was something wrong with her. And, and she was asking her employer, you know, if something comes up in these tests that I'm undergoing and I need to go take a disability leave, what's the company's policies about disability leave? She asked that. A day later, she was fired. Come on. Now, Preemptive the, strike. But here's the interesting thing, John. It turns out she had nothing wrong with her. So she actually wasn't sick or, right. or disabled. But if the employer believed that she had a disability, and that's why the employer bl- uh, let her go, that's still a human rights violation. Just like if your employer lets you go because your employer thinks you're Jewish, but you're not, it's still a human rights violation. Wow. So even in those situations, if you ever are let go while on disability or coming back from disability, remember, uh, that's wrong. How about when an employee announces, say, a pregnancy or comes back from a maternity leave? Very similar situation to what we just talked about. An employer cannot and should not ever terminate an employee uh, that's on a, on a leave of absence because of a pregnancy or maternity leave, you know, what, what's my rule of thumb, John? You don't mess with a, a woman or a parent on a, on a maternity yep. or parental leave. You just don't do it. You don't mess with it. Why? Because by terminating someone on a leave, it's illegal. That's a violation of the Human Rights Code. It's a potential violation of the Ontario Employment Standards Act here. Uh, and it's just not something you should do. Even if you're letting someone go while on maternity leave for legitimate reasons, you should, you should still not do that simply because if someone is not coming back for another six months from the mad leave, why are you letting them go, uh, letting them go now when six months from now you actually may have a job for them? Yeah, this, so many things can change in that time, right? A, a preemptive strike here doesn't work for the employer. You can't decide whether you can bring someone back from a maternity leave until the end of the leave. A lot of employers try to be too proactive, even with the best intentions, and in doing that, they're actually doing something illegal. So do not let someone go if they're pregnant, if they're on a parental leave or a maternity leave. Uh, that's just wrong, and it's an invitation for a, for a claim or legal action against you. 416-216-5900 to get a hold of Lior or Lior at employmenthour.com for some emails. We'll get to those uh, here in just a few minutes, talking about uh, the worst times for an employer to terminate employment. How about this one? I know you've had this through your office countless times. That is a raising harassment allegations either against a boss or even a coworker. Yeah, so here's a scenario. So I think that I'm being subject to harassment by a coworker, by a supervisor, and I go to HR and I complain. I say, yeah, I, I think I'm subject to harassment, HR. I'd like you to do something about that. Solve the problem. 
And what happens? They turn around a week or a day later, whatever, and they let me go. Can they do that? Well, no, they cannot. Uh, and here's why. In Ontario, a couple of years ago, or maybe four years now, uh, new legislation came into effect that requires the employer to actively protect employees that are subject to harassment. And it also makes it very clear that you can't penalize an employee that uh, complains about harassment or that brings forward allegations of harassment. So again, by letting someone go in that situation, that's illegal. What should an employer do if there's a harassment uh, uh, allegations being made? It has to investigate. It has to get to the bottom of what's been happening. Sometimes that may mean that the employer itself is going to investigate and interview people and find out what's happening. Other situations, if, if it's more serious allegations, you may have to bring an outsider, an outside investigator, to, uh, to do the investigation and determine what happened. But the, an employer cannot ignore harassment allegations, and certainly under no circumstances should the employer let an employee go because they raised those allegations. Uh, unless, of course, and I've had this happen once, yeah. uh, unless you can prove that the allegations were actually made in bad faith. So if I'm raising harassment allegations against you because I don't like you and I want to see if I can get you fired, right. and they can prove that Leo really wasn't doing this in good faith, that could be a cause to let me go. But otherwise, if I'm raising harassment allegations against someone in good faith, I cannot be fired for that. That's illegal. We're going to take a short break into an email as soon as we come back. In the meantime, the number 416-216-5900 is how you get a hold of Lior at any time. And the email is Lior at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Back with more of the Employment Hour. The number is 416-216-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. That's the email I will pull from right now. This one, Lior, comes from Henry, says, I received a few warnings over the last three years with respect to my work performance. How many warnings does my employer have to provide me before they can let me go for cause, for cause? Yeah, so, you know, that word cause obviously is the key. Henry's employer can let him go at any time uh, if they pay him severance. Cause would mean that he did something so bad, so wrong, that the employer can let him go without severance, without any compensation. That's very, very difficult to do. And usually what we would want to see is that the employer tried really hard to fix the problem. It provided warnings. It, it told the employee what uh, is expected of, uh, expected of them, maybe provided some help or training. And, and really, despite the employer's efforts, uh, the employer couldn't get, get it done. And that's when they have to let someone go for cause. Now, in Henry's situation, he does say in his email that he received uh, uh, some warnings in the past. Now, I would want to know specifically how many, and I would like to know over what period of time. So if he received three warnings in 10 years, yeah, probably the employer is nowhere near uh, being able to uh, allege cause. If he received three warnings in the last three weeks, as long as there's legitimate warnings, yeah, we may have a problem here. Okay. So I would want to know that. Usually what I would want to see uh, before the employer can terminate for cause is about three warnings in a relatively short span of time, maybe in the last year. Uh, as long as the warnings are clear as to what's expected, as long as they're legitimate. So if I warn you about something you didn't do, well, that's not legitimate. Uh, and it, only then can the employer allege cause or, or terminate for cause. But my best advice for Henry right now is obviously you know, shape up. But if the employer does let you go for cause, give me a call because it's going to be very unlikely 
that they can actually sustain that, it's very, very difficult to terminate for cause. Are warnings enough for an employer? Do they have to do more like remedial and they have to provide training and stuff? Or is, or is cause, or rather is three warnings in a year enough? It depends on the misconduct. If you're right. late uh, every day, warnings are going to be enough. I don't have to train you how to come <laughs> earlier. If the problem is a performance-based issue, then, yeah, an employer may have to provide help or some training gotcha. to allow the employee to do a good job rather than, say, do a better job employee or else. So context is important. Uh, the, the misconduct, the issue is important to, to consider. 416-216-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com is the contact. We're talking about the uh, worst times, actually, for an employer to terminate employment. How about this one right before, and I know we've dealt with this on the show before, right before an employee is due to get oh, a large bonus or a commission payment. How's yeah. the timing? Well, think about it this way. So, wow, I had a great year, John. Uh, Jan 1 is uh, going to come. I get my big bonus. You know, I think it's going to be uh, 25% of my salary. Can't wait. I'm already spending it. Out uh, you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the day before, a week before, a month before, sorry, uh, Lior, for unrelated reasons, we're letting you go. Well, that's just many cases is not going to fly. Uh, number one, it makes it seem like you're, you're letting the employee go for, uh, for the purpose of avoiding paying them the bonus. But in reality, by doing that, you're actually not going to avoid pay the, paying the bonus. You're going to have to pay the bonus in any event. If the bonus is earned, for the most part, in most cases, you're going to have to pay it. The only exception to that is if the employee signed the document, the employment agreement or some other document that makes it very, very clear that to get the bonus, you have to be employed on the day the bonus is paid out. A lot of employers say they have policies that, that uh, specify that you don't get the bonus unless you're working when we pay it. Okay. But I don't give a crap what the uh, policy says uh, if the employee didn't actually sign it, didn't accept it. So a policy that an employer has that sits in the drawer of, of the HR office uh, that no one knows about or sees is of no value to the employer. No, no employer can use that. So when it comes to bonuses, uh, no, you should not let someone go before they're due a bonus. And even if you do, uh, remember employers, you're probably not going to avoid paying them that bonus in any event. So it's just uh, bad practice to have. The worst times a Canon employee, uh, the countdown right here, we're into what, one, two, three, what, number six here, right after you, <laughs> this is a great one too, right after you reduce the employee compensation, lower his wage, or get him to sign a new contract. Yeah, and you know, a very, very interesting situation. We've talked about this before on the show, uh, and literally daily I have people calling me saying, this is my, my, my employer wants me to sign a new agreement. So let, let's break this down a bit. The only reason an employer would want an existing employee to sign a new agreement, it's because there's terms in that agreement that are favorable to the employer. An employer's not gonna ask you to sign an agreement that's better for you than what you currently have. Never, just not gonna happen. So whenever you're working and you've been asked to sign an agreement, be worried. I promise you, you have to be worried. Usually, what's in that agreement is a termination clause. A clause, and we'll talk about it more uh, a bit later on the show, but w something that effectively allows the employer to let you go by paying you a lot less severance yep. than they would otherwise have to pay. So what happens if you sign an agreement like that that limits your severance? Maybe you didn't even realize you're doing it, and the next day or right after, you get let go. Say, oh, you, John, remember yesterday when you signed that agreement? Uh, that allowed us to let you go and only pay you two weeks' pay, so we're letting you go today and paying you two weeks. Well, the problem with doing that is that it clearly shows that the, you entered into that agreement in bad faith. Uh, you clearly entered into that agreement knowing you're going to let uh, the employee go right away. Uh, so because that's not good faith, that agreement may not actually be enforceable. You, a court may even penalize you uh, for, for engaging in such high-handed conduct. So not a good idea to do that. Uh, and for employees, again, if you're 
that you're being offered a contract to sign, be concerned about it. Call me. Let me review it and tell you what it actually says, what it means. Uh, in many cases, you're better off telling your employer, no, I'm not going to sign. Much better. What's the safe window for an employer? Say, obviously not a week after they get them to sign a new contract, but what's the safe window? Three months? Six months? Yeah, I, I would say three months or so. Uh, you know, if, if you if three months, it's going to be tough to say that the the agreement was signed specifically to allow the employer to get, to let them go without uh, severance. So probably they have to distance themselves about three months uh, before it, it at least appears visually to be more uh, uh, more legitimate. We'll take a quick break into another email, Lior at employmenthour.com, and Lior's number anytime, 416-216-5900. The Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number to get hold of Lior, by the way, anytime is 416-216-5900 and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll start with an email before we go back to uh, contracts of employment because I know we love this one. Uh, Fern says, I was promised a promotion last year. This year, I didn't get it. It was given to someone else, and I was let go. Cherry on top. Is this discrimination? Yeah, no, interesting uh, uh, Interesting question. The, the short answer is it's not discrimination unless he didn't get the promotion because of a prohibited ground. So if he didn't get the promotion because of his race or age or medical condition or the fact that he took a parental leave, then it's not discrimination. It may make his employer a jerk, uh, the fact that they promised him a promotion and instead they fired him and gave the promotion to someone else, but it's not discrimination. So really, it's it's only discrimination if they uh, didn't give you uh, the promotion for an illegitimate reason. What it does mean for Fern, of course, that he's owed severance, full severance based on his age, position, and length of employment. So the most important thing for Fern is to give me a call so I can, number one, assess how much severance is owed, he's owed, but also assess whether, in fact, there was discrimination here, whether there was a, an illegitimate reason for denying him the promotion and letting him go. Let's get into contracts of employment because this is your lifeline, especially when you're starting a gig. you got to look at all those things. Why is that contract of employment one of the most important documents that you'll sign in your lifetime, it other is, than a merit certificate, of course? Yeah, and, 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 and probably just as important, and <laughs> uh, it is very, very important. Uh, you know, I, I hear often... Uh, you know, uh, Lou Skies is the, the b- uh, business analyst here on, uh, on, on AM640. Talk about the fact that, uh, you know, who you, who you marry is a very important business decision that you make. Well, the employment agreement that you sign is another extremely important business decision that you make because that agreement governs your relationship with your employer, governs what you do in the workplace, and can be with you for years and years even after employment comes to an end. And a good employment agreement can give you job security. Uh, it could give you a safety net if you lose your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could give you uh, the security knowing that your job is going to not be changed from under you. Whereas a bad employment agreement could do the opposite. It gives you no security. It uh, doesn't guarantee you anything. And it allows the employer to let you go pay you nothing and then prevent you from working. So that's why a, an employment agreement uh, is, is a very, very important document. And let me start by saying that if you're an employee, if I'm strictly talking to the employees out there, you're far, far better off starting an employment not having a written employment agreement. Much better. Much better to start employment based on a handshake. Say, okay, welcome aboard, Bob. Uh, Shake hands. You're starting on Monday. The reason for that, because if there's no employment agreement, the full protections of the law apply to you. All an employment agreement often does it is take away some of the protections that the law automatically provides for you. 
So don't be concerned if you did not sign an employment agreement. Be relieved in that situation. Be concerned if you're about to start another job, a new job, and your employer is giving you a 10-page document with a lot of legalese because in that document, I guarantee you, are going to be a lot of provisions that are not going to be favorable to the employee. So when should employers insist on having employees sign a contract so that it's enforceable? Because that's almost an issue too, right? You've heard that before. At least that's come by your office countless times. So first of all, if I'm speaking to the employers out there, uh, you know, I'm going to say the exact opposite of what I said to the employees just a moment ago. As an employer, you never, ever, ever want to hire an employee without having them sign an employment agreement. Probably the most important document that you can get them to sign. As an employer, the employment agreement gives you a lot of flexibility. It allows you to make changes to the workplace if you need to, to change the job. It allows you to run the business in an efficient way and in a cost-effective way. And to make an employment agreement enforceable, you have to have the employee sign it generally before they start working. So not the after they started working, not their first day on the job during the lunch break, uh, and, and not a week before you want to let them go. You have to have them sign it before they start working. That's how it's enforceable. And remember, for you as an employee, uh, if you sign an agreement after you started working, first day, second day, right after. That soon. That soon. You know, even when you step foot into the workplace on your first day, in that agreement may actually not be enforceable. That, again, for an employee, very good thing. For an employer, quite a bad thing. So what are the, some of the important terms? We talk about this, uh, you know, uh, to look out for like termination terms, non-competes, all that stuff, and go through them. Yeah, and, you know, let, let me outline a few things to, to watch out for. Number one, I alluded to it before, is a termination clause, something in the employment agreement that limits the amount of severance that an employee would receive if they're let go. Uh, generally speaking, when we look at age, position, length of employment, that would give us usually a very generous severance for m- virtually every employee. But you can agree by way of the employment agreement to get a lot less than that. And oftentimes, in the individual sign employment agreements, not realizing that one of the things they've done is limited their future severance. And they're let go a year, two years, five years later, and all of a sudden they get a couple of weeks' pay, and they're saying, well, wait a second, what gives here? Well, what gives here is you sign an employment agreement that allows the employer to do that. So that's a problem. That also means you don't really have job security. Why do so many people do that? Well, people do that, number one, is because they focus on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. If you look at an employment agreement, you're going to look at what your salary is, how much your bonus is, how much vacation you get, and that's it. You're not going to think about the other terms, and you're not going to know what they actually mean. So the fact that you don't understand something or you think something is not important doesn't mean that it's not enforceable or that it's not important. Oftentimes, if something is in the employment agreement, it's there for a reason, and it's important, and you need to understand it. We're going to continue this talk about uh, contracts of employment because it is so important. In the meantime, the number is 416-216-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll take a short break on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Back with more the Employment Hour, the number is 416-216-5900. That's Lior's direct number. His direct email as well is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We were talking about, uh, before we took a break, the most important part of the show, and that is contracts of employment. You mentioned things like you know non-competes and limitations of severance, things, things people don't necessarily look at when they sign it. They're just looking at how much holidays they get and their salary and possible bonuses and stuff like that. How about negotiating that uh, term of contract? Can you even do it? Well, you absolutely can do it, and in many cases, you're almost expected to do it. So if you're uh, offered a, a, an employment agreement, you review it and you sign it, and 
you don't negotiate some of those terms, uh, oftentimes the employer is going to say, well, good, uh, dodge that bullet. Uh, and, mm. and you know, it's almost expected. We talked about termination provisions and limit your severance, but there's other terms that you need to look at. For example, as you said, a non-compete. So something that prevents you from working in the industry uh, after employment comes to an end. Now, something like that may may or may not be legally enforceable, but it's still a big deal because an employer may try to enforce it. And what if you have a termination clause, John, and a non-compete at the same time? That means an employer can let you go at any time, pay you almost nothing. Oh, and by the way, if that happens, you can't work in the industry for two years. Can they even enforce that? Well, they may not be able to, but you really want to engage in a legal battle uh, over whether it's enforceable or not? Do you have the funds to do that? That's a bad, bad idea. The time to deal with that is at the beginning of the employment relationship. And if you have terms in an agreement that you cannot negotiate and that are unacceptable to you, well, you may want to consider not taking the job. Uh, and I, I know it's easy for me to say I have a job, and some people that, that don't have a job may say, well, I need the job desperately. But I, I will urge you to consider what happens if you lose this job. If you lose this job and then you can't work for two years, what kind of trouble is that going to put mm-hmm. you in? Are you better off walking away from this job and hoping that something better comes along that's not going to hurt you badly long term? But the bottom line is, yes, you can try to negotiate this The best way to do that, John, is not to make unreasonable demands or aggressive demands. You're not going to say to your future employer, how dare you? This is unacceptable. You better change this. I would always approach the employer on the basis that, you know, I've reviewed the offer. I can't wait to start. I I think I'm the right candidate and we're going to do some great things together. I do have a couple of issues I wanted to raise with you. So as long as you approach it that way, the employer is often going to be much more amenable to negotiating the terms. Uh, the employer is going to be uh, reasonable, and you're not going to lose the job offer. Uh, so, But the first uh, step, you can't negotiate unless you know what you should be negotiating. Right. So oftentimes what I do is I review contracts for my, uh, my clients, and I tell them, here's the issues you need to be concerned about. Here's what this actually means, and here's how we should approach your employer. 416-216-5900 to get a hold of Lior. How about uh, working through an employment agency or temp agency? So an employee uh, is hired through a placement agency, not directly from the employer. Is the agency the person's employer? Yeah, and you know, how many times do I hear that, man, in, in a week? Uh, so Lior, I, I was really working through an agency and, and you know, I, was, I was let go and what happens? Uh, so the bottom line is that an, empl- an employee can have more than one employer. Uh, an employee can have two employers or more at the same time. Oftentimes what happens when you work through an agency, but you provide work for a company. So you have the agency and you have the company. Both the company and the agency are considered the employer. So if I work for a company, I go to the office every day, work nine to five, uh, and I go home and I come back the next day and do the same thing, but I'm hired through the agency, well, guess what? They're both my employers. So if my position ends, they're both on the hook to pay me severance. It doesn't mean I get double severance. They don't each have to pay me severance. But together in between the two of them, they have the obligation to pay me my full severance. And that's a nice thing because oftentimes these agencies can be, you know, fly-by-night operations. They may go out of business. And what does that mean with respect to the employee? Well, that means that the company that they're working for, that they were providing services to, is on the hook to pay them their full full severance. So remember, you may have more than one employer. Because right, well, that makes sense. Because you know, if it, if it was just up to the the sole responsibility of the agency, then nobody would hire directly. They would yeah. hire just agencies. Absolutely. I mean, right? why why would anyone hire employees? You know, why why would I in my office uh, hire any employees? I'd just hire everyone through an agency and say, 
I don't have any obligations. I'll do whatever the heck I want. Uh, obviously, that's not the case. If I have people working for me, exclusively for me, in my office, under my supervision, they're my employees. It doesn't matter how they got there or if I hired them, quote-unquote, through an agency. They're my employees. So if it looks like an employee and acts like an employee, it's an employee. What if no, uh, no taxes are deducted and the person's considered, a, as I make the quotation signs, independent contractor? That's right. And very often we see that. Uh, I mean, man, probably one of the top three scenarios that I see, someone being treated on paper or maybe for tax purposes as an independent contractor, they get their uh, uh, checks, but they don't have deductions. Uh, and are they really an independent contractor? And what does that mean if the position comes to an end? In most cases, almost all of them, John, uh, when someone is actually referred to as an independent contractor, in reality, they're an employee. And again, if you work for a company, you go work there every day or regularly, and you work uh, regular hours, and you've been doing this for a while, and you are under the supervision of, of a boss, you are an employee of the company. It doesn't matter how you're taxed. It doesn't matter what you call yourself or what someone calls you. Otherwise, again, why would anyone be an employee? I would just hire, quote unquote, independent contractors. So, you know, my, my assistant in my office, my, my clerk in my office, my receptionist, they could all be they could, independent contractors. I'll just one withhold taxes and life right. is good. Then I don't have any obligations. Obviously, the law is a lot smarter than that. So, again, if it looks like an employee and acts like an employee, it's an employee even if you call yourself something other than that. Get to a quick email before I break. This one from Manny says, I quit my job last year. My wife still works for the same company, but they're treating her very badly because they're upset with me. What can she do? Yeah, and uh, oftentimes in a situation where someone is being treated in an inappropriate way, a poison work environment is created, it's a question of can the person establish that? Is there a way to prove that or to show that they're being subject to that treatment? Uh, if they are subject, if, if uh, Manny, uh, Manny's wife can show that she's been subject to inappropriate treatment, that could easily easily be a constructive dismissal. That may allow her to leave and require the company to pay her her full severance. Uh, so, so that's uh, a starting point. Now, again, I don't want Manny's wife or anyone listening now to quit and resign because they believe they've been constructively dismissed or subject to a, a poison work environment. You do not do that until you speak to me. But uh, what I will say is you have that option. And in Manny's wife's case, perhaps one way to start building up a case for constructive dismissal is uh, speak to, uh, to the doctor. Maybe Manny's wife has a doctor. And, and you know, if, if this is impacting her and impacting her health and now she's stressed out and depressed and maybe can't sleep, maybe the doctor can give her some time off work. And that helps to show, if we ever need to, that she was subject to... Uh, uh, to something inappropriate at work, that she didn't just uh, become depressed or unwell uh, because uh, because nothing impacted her. Clearly, mm-hmm. there was something that happened there. 416-216-5900 is Lior's direct number. The email is simply Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll take a quick break and get to more of our show in the last few minutes here. Uh, the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640, and AM 900, CHML. Number to get a hold of, Lior, easy, 416-216-5900 through email. It's Lior at employmenthour.com. Before the break, we were talking about employment agencies and temp agencies and all that good stuff. And under that banner, I was going to ask you this. Why would a company want to hire an employee indirectly through an agency? We know they're responsible for severance. It's almost like the same thing, no? Yeah, but the problem is, as obvious as it sounds, that you know, if, if someone comes to your office, works for you exclusively, goes home, comes back, they're your employee – 
It's not obvious to some. Some people think, well, well no, I, I never hired them. The employment agency is telling me that they're their employee, so that's why I'm going to do it. So a lot of employers, in fact, hire people through a temp agency or, or a placement agency, believing that somehow that affects their rights or, or their obligations, that somehow now that means they don't have the same obligation, they don't have to pay the same amount of severance or treat the person illegally in the same way as they would an employee. In most cases, that's wrong, and it doesn't actually do anything. So, I mean, there's obviously value in, in ha- having a, an agency maybe screen candidates for you and interview mm-hmm. them and make sure that you, you get the right people. It's very difficult to find the right people. So, obviously, agencies have a tremendous value in, in hopefully bringing the right people to your door as the employer. But what an agency won't do or from a legal standpoint is eliminate your legal obligations to the person working for you. Those obligations remain. So what about companies that hire employees through that placement agency? Do they, can they protect themselves? Do they offer any protections? Well, so if you're worried about your obligations to the employee yes. uh, the, as the employer, the best thing you could do is have a proper agreement with the placement agency that makes it clear that if any claim is made, if any demand is made of you uh, that you're the employer, that, that the agency is going to assume that liability. So effectively, you agree that any obligation that you have, the agency will preemptively agree to take care of. And if you're in a company and you're talking with an agency, and if the agency refuses to do that, well, then really there's no point in hiring someone through an agency. The best way for the employer to deal with that is when an, uh, with an agreement, a written agreement with the agency. We'll get to a couple uh, emails here. Lior at employmenthour.com. Miriam says, after I was let go, I signed my termination paperwork without speaking to a lawyer. Uh, very emotional and under a lot of stress, like most people would be. I think my severance offer was uh, not good. Is there anything I can do about it now? Well, you know, I, I, obviously, you know, this is the toughest question for me to answer, and I have to answer it regularly, almost daily, because, no, there really isn't much he's going to be able to do. Uh, obviously, it's, it is an emotional time to lose your job. You're stressed. You're worried about paying your bills. You're probably, uh, you know, very upset and hurt that, that the company did that. And then you're asked to sign a, a long legal document that offers you compensation. You don't know if it's good or not. Many people are just going to sign it to be done with it, not knowing any better. Unfortunately, by doing that, you, you give up your rights to get your full severance. And if that document that you sign does not provide for your full severance, even if it provides for a small fraction of what you're owed, you're stuck with it. Uh, and, and that's, I'm afraid, what Miriam's situation would be. If she accepted the severance offer, even though she did it uh, you know, under uh, you know, difficult situations, it's going to be enforceable. She's not likely going to be able to get out of it. So the best advice is do not do that. I know it's tough. I know it's a tough situation when you lose your job. Believe me, I, I see people like that every day, several times a day. But you have to gather yourself. You have to get some legal advice. You have to understand what you're actually owed. Now's the time to do that because your your legal entitlements are more important than ever. You don't have another job right now. You, lo- you just lost your job. You need to make sure you get the severance that you're actually owed because that is intended to carry you until you find another job. You don't want to accept three-week severance when you're owed six months because if it does take you six months to find another job, you, you're, you're, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. And in most cases, John, it's quite easy to actually negotiate proper severance. So use the severance pay calculator. Give me a call. Don't accept severance. So what do people do? Because that, you know, that letter always comes with a really, really short deadline, like tomorrow at 5, Monday at 3, or we're taking stuff off the table. That often happens. Right? Always. Not, not even often. It happens in every single case. Every single termination letter that I've seen, I've seen thousands. 
have a deadline. You know, you have to accept this by Friday or else. Uh, and, you know, th- there's pressure there. So not only are you emotional because you lost your job and you're scared and you're worried, there's this deadline looming over your head. And you think that if you don't accept something, if you don't sign back, bad things are going to happen. You're not right. even going to get what the employer is offering you. Well, as I've just said, that's a pressure tactic. It's nothing more than a pressure tactic. Your legal rights don't expire Friday at 5 or Wednesday at 3 or any other time. You have two years to pursue your legal entitlements. So when a termination letter says, well, you have to accept this by Friday, that means nothing. Nothing happens if Friday comes and goes. You don't give up your rights. It doesn't allow the employer to let you go and pay you less than what they were going to pay you. Your legal rights are what they are. So whether or not you can uh, speak to a lawyer before Friday, it doesn't matter. Take whatever time you need, speak to a lawyer when you can, and do not sign anything until you do. Yanni says, my employer gave me notice that my employment will end at the end of this year. A week ago, I was told that my new work will be coming in uh, and that my employment will not end. After all, can my employer do this? Well, we just addressed you this at, at the top of the hour. Uh, so if the, can the employer do this? Yes, the employer can say, well, now I'm not letting you go. Uh, and then it's it's no longer a termination. What what the employer cannot do is extend the notice and still get credit for the notice. Uh, so if the employer simply says, well, I know I told you I'm going to end your employment at the end of the year, but now I'm going to extend it until uh, April. Well, the, the net effect of that is that it's as if Yoni did not receive any notice. So it's a question of whether the employer is extending the notice or rescinding it. Can the employer rescind it? Yes. But if they extend the notice, arguably the notice itself becomes invalid. So when Yoni employment is in fact terminated, he was going to be owed full severance. Got about a minute left. Give me a severance pay calculator to close it out. Yeah, again, severancepaycalculator.com. By the way, we're up to close to 300,000 people that have used it uh, over the past two two and a half years. Huge, huge success. Uh, We really changed the way that, uh, that the employment law is looked at, the severance is looked at. Uh, and uh, so we're very proud of it. Go to severancepaycalculator.com if your employment is terminated. Find out how much you're owed. Spread the word. Tell your friends that may have lost your jobs, your colleagues, your neighbor that you just ran into uh, you know, on the street saying that they lost your job. Point them to severancepaycalculator.com. Trust me, they'll thank you. The number to get a hold of Lior when the show's over, like now, 416-216-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. Till next time, it's been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.